When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I didn't know that you guys had a hurricane. Are you all right? Yeah, we're fine. I mean, it didn't it didn't hit us. Like it came up the coast, so we got like all the rain from it. Oh, got it. Okay. So it so was just like, like a category anything by the time. No, you it. it was just oh, constant constant rain for three days straight, which is why like. Do you remember the scene in Free Willy where um they they try to like kill the whale and the water's yeah. just like leaking through the tank wall? Oh like, yeah, the, uh, that's what my basement was like this weekend. <laughs> And you're yeah. in it now? Yeah, I'm in it now. Yeah, it's fine. Like, I put a bucket there and caught it all. It's all fine. Let's talk about movies. Huh. This is Kenny from my brain. If you want to talk movies, well, guess what? We on the same thing. You got to watch, watch, watch. Everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. And I'm Devin. Yeah, man, that's weird. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ryan couldn't make it this week, so it's going to be Devin and I talking about Star Wars, or Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I don't know why I keep saying Star Wars first. Remember, we were talking a lot about Star Wars. Um, yeah. Mainly about Rogue One, which we made Devin revisit because he had issues with it and never finished it before. Like, this is your first time watching it the whole way through? I think I watched it all the way in theaters, but I still had issues with it that okay. we need to talk about. Okay. Um. But before we get into that, um, we like to talk about things in pop culture that we've watched over the past week. Um, so, Devin, you want to start us off with another Disney property that you watched? This is a Disney property? No uh, way. 20th century, yeah. Holy cow. Okay, yeah, I watched a Disney thing, I guess. I watched A Haunting in Venice. Uh, it is based on the Agatha Christie novel Halloween Party, which... It means it's another Hercule Poirot movie. It's uh, along the same kind of veins as Death in the Nile and uh, Murder on the Orient Express. I loved this movie. I loved it. It was so good. I'm actually like upset at where it sits on IMDb at the moment. It's like a 6.8 out of 10 stars. It's like a 10 out of 10 stars for me. Like I'm sure you get those people that are like, well, I knew that it was clearly this person the whole time and the movie wasn't. But no, stop it. It was fun. It was great. I loved it. This is one I remember when we saw the trailer for this in front of Indiana Jones or something. Oh yeah. Uh, my wife and I turned to each other and like, was that Tina Fey? Like <laughs> it was. Yeah. Uh the cast in this is is interesting cuz Tina Fey is not one that you would think about when you put in to put in a Agatha Christie anything. No. Um but yeah, we almost had a crossover to talk about these movies and we still might be able to to work this out um we have we might have a guest lined up to talk about the uh kenneth brana perot movies that's incredible i would yeah. love to talk about the kenneth brana perot movies in more yeah. depth because so, i like i now want to read agatha christie because of this okay yeah uh stay tuned that, that might be a thing that happens in the near future oh, so, i can't wait i wanted to try to get it done for before this one came out but it just didn't work mm. out well, would you wise, see this movie, so. Alan? I would. I haven't seen the other two. Um, That's all right. That's all, all right. You, all you need to know that he is he's a detective, right? 
I mean, in even like the first second of the movie, they go, Detective Perot, Detective Perot. So you don't even need to know that. Just go yeah. into it. He's like a, a French Columbo, right? Yeah, kind of. I, I like him a little bit. I like him about the same line as I like Daniel Craig's detective character, I think. Okay. They're about equal in my mind, although one of them is very Southern and he is very French. And like, for some reason, those two things are just totally fine. Like that, that's like roughly, they roughly equate for me. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Romana versus the game compares him to Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I can definitely see that. Cause he does the whole deductive thing. I mean, that's kind of like the hot thing to do with a detective, right? Is, you know, oh, well, clearly it was this because there's a stain on your left armpit and that left armpit stain can only have come from the concrete that was found in this particular basement of this house. And <laughs> he does that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the poison for Cusco. Cusco is poison. Like that, that whole thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, well, I'm glad you got out to the theaters this week. I did not. Um, uh-huh. life has been busy. All I was able to watch in the last week was uh, only murders in the building, and Ahsoka. Um, oh, so boy. we gave you some homework last week, and I we had talked about episode five of Ahsoka, and yes. I told you since you have n- no background with Star Wars Rebels, but you have some background with Ahsoka from Clone Wars, that you mm. should watch episode five by itself and nothing else. Did yes. you do that? I did do that. I actually did the homework for once this week. I think you'll be really proud of all the homework I did this week, okay. by the way. Yes, yeah, I, I did this one. Okay. So since you watched episode five, what did you think of that episode of Ahsoka? Oh, it was really good. It was really good. I mean, like, I was just thinking about it today. I love the transformation that Hayden Christensen's gone through in, like, the Star Wars, like, cultural phenomenon of, like, yeah. ew, he was awful to oh my god more of him please it's him on screen again like i love that i i thought that it was really cool what he was there to show ahsoka and i thought it was really cool just seeing like some of the like the clone wars stuff play out in live action was really fun yeah i I thought it was very obvious they couldn't get tomorrow morrison in for that episode Uh, yeah because it's all like face right face wrapped clones when they have their helmets off. Um, yeah. But he, he does the voice lines and I'm like, man, he was too busy doing his cameo in the flash to be in, <laughs> in Ahsoka. Um, I, so I, I don't, I don't know that you can make me care about space whales though. That was, that was the bit where you almost lost me. That, that's, that's a rebels thing. So that goes into okay. my next point of, mm-hmm. I watched the episode after that. Okay. There is one thing at the very beginning of the episode that I think you of all people will very much appreciate because it's more of David Tennant's David Tennant's character does a thing that I think you're going to love. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to watch it then. How long into the episode is it? Oh, it's like the first, like it's before it says Ahsoka, like before the title card comes up, like just watch that and stop because after that, you're not going to understand anything that happens. You have to watch. (laughs) All of Rebels to appreciate the next episode, because you have to you have to watch you have to watch all of Rebels. You have to read all of the books from not and not even like the new books. Like I'm talking Heir to, Heir to, Heir the, to Empire. the Empire, yeah, the Thrawn stuff, yeah, the Thrawn stuff. I've because, read those. Yeah. Oh well, then you might appreciate part of it then. Um, <laughs> but the the you have to watch Rebels to appreciate the rest of the show. 
Like... You know what's super interesting is I was talking to somebody via friend of the show, Romana, today. And they said that they're watching Ahsoka and loving Ahsoka and haven't seen a second of Rebels or a second of Clone Wars. And they're still really loving the show. I mean, there's a lot to love about the show. Like, I think no. there is a world where you could watch the whole show and then go back and revisit those if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, kind of like just getting the backstory on everything that you come to know in, in the shows. But I think to have a deeper appreciation for the characters, it helps to have that background going sure. into it. So. I mean, that I, I think I would want to watch it. I mean, literally watching that episode, Roman and I turned to each other and went, we're watching Rebels now, aren't we? Yeah. So I think we're watching Rebels soon. If okay. she's still listening, let me know. But I think we're watching Rebels soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's um, that's what I've got on on Star Wars. Are you uh, are you enjoying Only Murders in the Building still? Yes, I yeah. think I know, I think I know where the fa- I think where I know where they're going in the finale, and I'm not ready for it. No. No, I I think like today's episode made me look at the whole season in a new light, and I'm like, you know. I'm going to have to rewatch this whole season again. Really? It's maybe, like that. Maybe within the next week. Cause I, I have like a whole new perspective on a lot of things that happen in the show. I'm like, I might have to rewatch the whole, whole season before. The oh finale. shoot. That's really exciting. It's okay. a bad week for me to have to do that because I'm not going to be around this weekend. No. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I want to do that. Like I want to go back and rewatch it with this new, from this new lens and see if I'm right. That's so. the sign of a really good show. That yes. makes me really excited to finish this. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, on that note, then let's let's rearrange the uh, stuff here so things aren't buried behind other images. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. So on that note, we're going to get into today's main topic, uh, which is... Star Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, this is the 2016 first standalone Star Wars film. If you don't count the Clone Wars, because no one does. Um, no. I always forget that that was a movie first. I, I, remember, I do too. I saw it in theaters. I forget I did it. I remember that movie came out and I had no desire to see it. It's like, that looks dumb. And yeah. then like flash forward 10 years later and like Clone Wars is like one of the best Star Wars things to ever happen. Oh, we have to put a pin in what you said just there because we'll come back to it. No, I'm not talking like the first season of Clone Wars. Like I'm talking no, like no, the no. later seasons. Like the later seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I've been having that discussion a lot lately. So we need to, especially with the other bit of homework I had done for this episode. Yeah. All right. So uh, this film stars Diego Luna, Felicity Jones, Alan Tudyk, and Forrest Whitaker. Um. This is a film that we have covered on the show before. Um, this is from back in the days where it was just Ryan and I talking about movies that one of us hasn't seen. Uh, Ryan and I went to see this opening night together and we did, we did an episode of it. Uh, we went with our wives and my brother and the only seats we could get were in the front row of the theater and Ryan hated it so much. They went again the next day. <laughs> I think that was in his notes. Ryan, Ryan couldn't be here tonight, but he sent notes. Um, Did it like, did it ruin his like enjoyment of the movie sitting in the front row? I I don't think it was. Well, we had reclining seats. Okay. 
if I remember correctly, um, we were reclining seats in the front row at the theater that you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't the best experience, but mm-hmm. with the reclining seats, it wasn't the worst. Yeah. Like, I, I have found that that front section back row with the climbing seats is like perfect. Ooh, like that's I, nice. like if you want like the movie in your face, that that's a good place to be. Front row is a little bit much. Like you have, it still has to be like, <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah. And it kind of hurts your neck a little bit. That's yeah. how I saw alien versus predator was probably in that exact same theater. Probably. Um, so we saw this, um, I saw this a few times in theaters, but Ryan and I did an episode of this years ago. I think when we were still filming in the closet at my old, oh, old place. Still babies. Um, yeah. I do remember that we, the, the show that I did before you have to watch this podcast did a, like, I think our last episode was a reaction to the trailer for this. And then that, that show died, <laughs> um, which is a what shame. What was your reaction it, to the trailer? Walk me through it. Uh, so I remember when they announced this, like, just the idea that the film was called Rogue Anything got mm-hmm. me excited because I remember playing Rogue Squadron, the video game on N64 right. and PC. Yeah, yeah. Which I still this have. This isn't related, right? No, it's not. Okay. Um, but I was like, that's cool. Maybe we'll get a, like a Rogue series of movies. Like there, maybe there'll be a Rogue 2 and then a Rogue Squadron movie. Uh... And they tried to do a Rogue Squadron movie, but that never happened. Um, but... I remember just like seeing the stormtrooper in the trailer, the stormtroopers walking in the water and thinking, Oh, that's different imagery. Like this is, this is going to look, this looks good. Like this look like just visually this, this looks interesting. This isn't a desert. This is oceans and like people being able to walk in the ocean, which is weird. Uh, so it's like a tropical type of star Wars, um, which is not something you see often. So uh, I remember being excited by the trailer for it. Cause this was right after, Force Awakens came out, and there was hope in the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, yeah, with, there was. With Disney being in charge, and um, yeah. So, Devin, you saw that. You said you saw this in theaters. I did see it in theaters. Yeah. Okay. So, what Probably was your almost as soon as it came out? Yeah. What was your reaction to it when it came out in theaters? So you got to understand where I was at in my life when when Star Wars, or sorry, Rogue One, a Star Wars story came out. Was I had seen force awakens i had liked force awakens i was marginally excited for this movie and then somebody in my life and i honestly don't know who but somebody in my life saw the star wars or saw the rogue one trailer and went i officially give up on star wars star wars is out of original ideas they're just gonna recycle the plot with the death star again why don't they do something original i'm done with the series and like that was their exact reaction to the trailer so I then, and I, I still don't know who this person was. I don't remember who it was. But I remember that opinion very, very, like, harshly sticking to my subconscious. Going to go see the movie with the thought of, they aren't doing anything original, are they? This is just a rehash of the the the, Star, or the Death Star thing. And then, like, for that reason, like, the cameos didn't hit right. Because I'm like, oh... They're not going to make up new characters. They're going to show us the old ones again. And boy, howdy, do they show you the old ones again in this one. And then it also made like the ending part that I thought was very cool seem a little bit like weird or a little bit off. Like that I like 
having stepped back away from that opinion and understanding that like that person's opinion isn't the be all end all of what Star Wars is or could or should be, I now feel differently about. Okay. But yeah, so that was that was kind of like my whole like reaction up into and then seeing the movie itself. I think. So I want to I want to talk a little bit on the 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 rehashing this Death Star thing. Yeah. I, I would say I would argue that this film does have an original plot line, but it does do something along those lines of, Hey, remember this one line in star Wars? Let's expand mm. upon, let's expand upon that. Uh, and I think so- solo did the same thing was, Hey, what if we did a whole movie around the castle run? This is, yeah. Hey, what if we did a whole movie around the death star plans? Like, well, I mean, they even did that with, with clone wars. Hey, he said, your dad died in the clone wars. Let's build a whole movie around that. The Clone Wars, though, at least goes into depth and shows you the war itself. That's fair. That's like that's totally a little fair. bit more justified, and like there is like multiple stories to tell there. It's not just like cl- the Clone Wars is like a big mm-hmm. thing. This is just like many Bothans died. I know that's a different Death Star, but still, like yeah. And they just like dug into that one. Um, but I think the idea of what if we told this story about the people who got the, the Death Star plans? What if we told that story? What it, What is that story? How did that happen? I think yeah. is a very interesting way to, like, to start off a, a, like a big franchise. You, got, you have to remember where Star Wars was before Force Awakens and Rogue One. Like it was like the last time we had saw a Star Wars movie was The Clone Wars, the animated show, animated film. And before that, it was a prequel. So there hasn't been hadn't been Star Wars in theaters in a long time, like ten years, without Star Wars on the big screen. Um, so like, how do you like if you want to make Star Wars a a major franchise again? How do you go about doing that? And I think what they were trying to do with these standalone films is tell interesting stories, but also plant seeds for things that they can explore in the saga films. I think there there are things in this that we'll get into that weren't delivered upon in those films. Uh, mm-hmm. But in other projects, they have used them uh, mainly being like Vader's castle. Like we'll get into all that stuff right, later. Right. Um, but I think what this film does well is tells a story about characters and mm-hmm. gets away from the Jedi Sith's angle of everything and tells a story about soldiers. And like, it's, it's an, it's a war film and it, it's yeah. in a franchise called Star Wars. You don't have much of that. It's <laughs> a good point, man. Yeah. Okay. So I want to, I'm going to ask you a question. I won't elaborate on it until later. Okay. What? There's a lot of different angles to Star Wars, right? Cause yes. I've been talking, I've been having this conversation a lot in the last couple of days too. There's a lot of different angles of Star Wars, a lot of different things you could like, or things that draw you into the Star Wars universe. Right. What Alan draws you into the Star Wars universe the most? And, I, you know, I, I could help put some guidelines on it. It could be things like the Jedi and the Sith. It could be things like the Force. It could be things like, you know, the world itself or the, the kind of, you know, mundanity of it all. Like, or the smugglers part. Or, you know, because even Disney itself, like when you go to Star Wars land, right, you can pick like, yeah. I'm the, a Jedi, I'm a Sith, or I'm a smuggler. And I feel like they're helping to like cater to the people that don't really care about the Jedi Sith stuff, the uh, smuggler stuff. I have two answers. Okay. One is just the vastness of it. Like that you can okay. have 
the 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 mythical jedis and then the smugglers or the bounty hunters and like you can tell like just how familiar i am with the world from years of watching the movies and playing the video games like just knowing the stuff that i've grown up with like that's like in world like that like the, just the the scope of the characters and the worlds that are there i think is what draws me in okay um from a uh, other perspective i think what my big draw to the to these to this franchise is is the music uh, yeah. which is why i have the score behind me for rogue one um like the john williams star wars score is like one of my favorite scores like i've listened to all of those repeatedly mm-hmm. uh, and that was my that's my that was my entryway into film scores for me for like that. That's mostly what I listen to. If you don't know, like I listen to movie scores on my phone. Yeah. Like that's the music I collect. And I have all of the original trilogy on vinyl. I have rogue one. I have the last Jedi. I have Mandalorian season one soundtrack. So like even outside of the John Williams stuff, like, I have the the soundtracks. I even have the disco one that Ryan got me for Christmas the one year. I'm so happy you um, have that. So I think that that was my big draw into Star Wars was the music. Like, mm-hmm. I think seeing the Duel of Fates on the big screen in Episode One was like, like that's such an epic moment. I think that mm-hmm. kind of de- defined my taste in music and movies for a while. Um, so. That makes sense. That makes a lot you? of sense. For me, it's it's more of the the smuggler side of everything, I think. And it's more kind of the the mundane stuff that I really, really like. And we're gonna have to talk about it a little bit later. But and and, and that's why I wanted to put a pin in it and come back to it later. Because I really like the the minutiae in some of these movies and how like consistent or inconsistent like some of the tech is like yeah. that's the it's, it's the the sci-fi aspect of it i think is really cool just in terms of like they have spaceships they have you know satellites that can beam interplanetary messages like it's that nerdy side that i really like in in a single cohesive universe that kind of covers all of that like how does technology exist where you have literal magicians with laser yeah. swords like how does how do they stand up to each other i like that yeah all right, so we did all this because you didn't like Rogue One before. Yeah. Uh, you went on a tirade last week about like not liking <laughs> Rogue One. Um, having rewatched it now, what yeah. is your opinion of Rogue One? Now? Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get why people like this movie. I definitely get why people like this movie. I I like the modernity of a lot of it, and I like the fact that there's no Jedis. I like the fact that there's no... I, I like that, right? I like what it's doing. I like the movie itself. Some of the problems I have with the movie still totally stand, right? Okay. And I've even I've even done prep work in order to okay. help make this make more sense. And some of my problems still totally stand. But, like, I think K might be my favorite Star Wars droid of all K- time. K2SO. K2SO. Chef Kiss. Phenomenal. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I think that I like the plot a lot more this time. And now that I've let myself enjoy the cameos more, I enjoy the cameos more. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what, where that's, I'm at with it. That, that's what you do like about it. What that's do you what still I... have problems with? 
I have a problem, I just think, with Saul Guerrero as a character. Okay. He's still the worst part of this movie for me. I can, I will no longer concede, or I'll no longer ever in my life say that Saul Guerrero was pointless in the movie because they have a plot reason to bring him in that I just completely overlooked the first we'll, time I saw the movie. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll deep dive into Saul Guerrero here shortly. Anything good. else? Okay, good. Is he, is he still your main issue with the movie? I think he's my main issue with the movie. I also think. Okay, this is really stupid. I and this, but I think this is consistent in the Star Wars universe. I hate how they treat stormtroopers in these movies, and I think this movie exemplifies that the most. Okay, how so? A good example is, and I don't remember his name. The Chirut, Chirut. Yeah, Chirrut. Uh, Chirrut, yeah. There's a scene where Chirrut kicks sand into a stormtrooper's eyes, and the stormtrooper goes, ah, my eyes. He's wearing a helmet, man. Like, that doesn't matter. Like, it almost seems like the helmet and the armor that they're wearing makes them more vulnerable to attack. And, like, maybe there's some in-universe explanation that, like, they're haptic or, like, they're cheap or something like that. But, like, like... One of them got bonked on a head by, like, the butt of Jyn Ursa's gun and, like, passed out. I'm like, isn't that why you wear a helmet? I, I think, this, is so, this is so nitpicky, by the way. This is, like, such a stupid No, I and, I, and I think what this film is doing is plays with that. Like, I think that is – there. I think there is an in-universe explanation for why their armor is ho- so horrible. <laughs> okay, um, good. But I think, I think this movie is just kind of, like, lightly poking fun at how useless the stormtroopers are. Which is why they have, which is why they have the death troopers instead. So right, right, and and when they come out, it gets serious. It really yeah. does. But no, I mean, I, I like, right. I liked the story of this. So before we get too far into this, uh, I have something here from Ryan. Okay, he wanted me to pass on to you. Oh no! It, it is a letter, dearest <laughs> Devin. <laughs> no, he didn't say dearest. He just said Devin. Devin, I hope you're having. I hope that having more background on Saul Guerrero gives you a better understanding of him in Rogue One this time around. If not, you still don't, and you still don't like it or understand the character for whatever reason, whatever, for whatever wrong reason, at least I saw, you saw his character arc and made that opinion on that instead of going off of expectations you made without knowing him prior. The reason I like him and defend his character so strongly is that because of what he represents, the hardliner, the true believer, the idealist diehard, every militant political revolution has these. They are more often than not the core of a moment because of that they can be difficult to deal with. And when they don't get exactly what they want, even with the people on their own side, having having him in Star Wars, the Star Wars universe grounds and links political drama and physical war drama for me. Uh, and then he says in a Watto voice, which I'm not going to do because I feel like that's uh, inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> makes it feel r- more real. I'm sad you didn't try the Watto voice, but okay. So as... That's a really good, 
a really good letter that he wrote because I did want to talk about Saul a little bit. Yes, I had let's talk about a little it bit. because okay. I, I even have a graphic for just Saul. Do you really? Okay, good. Yeah. Which which version of Saul do you have? I have the uh, Rogue One character poster for just Saul Guerrero. Oh, incredible. <laughs> Love drinking from that mug. Uh, anyway, so my problem with Saw is it, I mean, I just, I, I understand, okay, having heard Ryan's letter, I understand his utility in, in that, right? And I will say that he has a genuine part in the movie. I don't, I don't think he's a likable character, or at least that he's not likable from what I've seen of him. A good example is we, I, I watched Andor as part of this, like, it, you know, as, it's no secret I've been doing a lot of background work into this. I watched Andor, and he's in Andor, and he popped up, and he made me dislike him more in Andor than I already disliked him in this. And if you remember his part in Andor, it's basically Stalin Skarsgård coming up to him and going, hey, can you help me with this thing? And Saw Gerrera goes, no, because the person I'd be helping doesn't have my exact specific right flavor of rebellion and is therefore wrong and, you know, goes away. Now, I understand Ryan's point and the utility of that in real life. But for me, that does not make a likable, understanding character. That makes him a, hard, a hardliner that I can't get on board with as a person. Like, if Saw and I were at a party, I wouldn't go hang out with him. Okay. Do you... Is that a common reaction to Saw? Like, am I okay to feel like, not okay. I feel like that way and I don't care what you guys think. But like, no. is that how people feel about him? <laughs> no, I, I can definitely see that point of view. Um, yeah. Because it, at the end of the day, he is the extremist of the rebel. I mean, they're all kind of extremists, but he's like the the hardline one. So liking him as, like, you can like what he stands for, but not like the character. Like, like him I, as a function. I, yeah. yeah. Um. My issue with Saul Guerrero has more to do with how Disney has used him than the character himself. Because I feel like Saul Guerrero has shown up in so many things since Rogue One Mm -hmm. that I'm like, are you just using him to build the world out a little bit more? Because that's what it feels like. It feels like you're just using him as a crutch to connect all these things. Like from showing up in Rogue One. Saul Guerrero got his start on the Clone Wars, like the animated was, yeah. show. He was on the Clone yeah. Wars, uh, so he got his start there. So he's the first character to make the jump from animation to live, live action. Oh. Uh, so and but then like immediately after Rogue One, he shows up in Rebels for a few episodes, and then later on he shows up in um, Andor, like you like you had mentioned, yeah. And he's also in Jedi Fallen Order. He is. I forgot about that. And I feel like they use him a lot to just connect. And I feel like there's not enough of the character to justify that. Because I, I wish there was more more to the character than just this one appearance. Like I feel like you could if you had a I feel like if you had a different character to do that, it would work better for me. I just don't think it works this well for not knowing the character as well as we know other star Wars characters. Do you think we're going to get saw Guerrero, a star Wars story or the book of saw Guerrero? <laughs> Probably not. No, I, I think he's going to show up in more stuff. Like I guarantee he's going to be in season two of Andor, which, which we oh, will talk. So? Well, yeah, we'll talk more about Andor 
before the end of this, but okay, good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the one thing that he does for the Star Wars universe that I think Rogue One and and Andor to a much greater degree does is it shows that like the rebellion isn't just this like group of upstanding young gentlemen and gentlewomen who just want to do the right thing, guys and golly gee willikers these mean evil empire like they're doing bad stuff and they're like they're from a certain point of view they are the bad guys and some of the stuff that they're portrayed as doing in this is undoubtedly bad like in the beginning of rogue one a star wars story and or just straight up murders a guy because he can't climb a fence like he's like hey what's that over there and then shoots him in the back like yeah. that's not a good thing like don't do that i i mean it's Like, if you look at it from the Empire's point of view, this movie is about a, a group of terrorists. Like, it is that, hundred percent. It, it is. is. Yeah. Um. It's. Yeah. Like, you're not wrong. Like, it, from a whatever point of view, like, yeah. The, I think it just shows the dark, like the, how far some some in the rebellion, like Cassian Andor, will go for the cause. Um, yeah. And I think you get a bit more of that in Andor, which I want to talk about, but we'll, I want to hold that conversation until the end okay, a good. bit more. So, um, but yeah, no, you're completely right. There is um, some other stuff there. That's part of what I like. Do it. That's yeah. part of what I like about Rogue One is, is it shows that, yeah, they're doing some scary, morally gray stuff and sure it's all for like a good reason, but like it's still pretty morally gray. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, so other things that you liked about Rogue One. Admiral Krennic. Krennic, Krennic, Krennic. I love Krennic. He's such a good bad guy. I I am so upset he doesn't make it out of this movie. I would see Krennic in so much more stuff. I am kind of, I like Ben Mendelsohn as an actor. Like I, I yeah. really like him. I'm upset with how they used him in the Marvel Universe. Oh, it's the um, scroll. I don't know about Secret Invasion. Don't don't spoil for me. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I I'll spoil Secret Invasion for you. Don't waste your time. Like it's oh, okay. <laughs> it's of all the Marvel things, it was like the the most pointless. I I feel like I don't oh, know. I don't shame. know what they're. What, I don't understand why they told the story they were trying to tell. Um, and why sure. they told it, why they told it that way. Uh, but no, I really like Krennic in this too. I think it's funny how many memes have come from him in this movie. Like we were this yeah. close to, and like, are we blind? Like send the garrison. Like, <laughs> to, you know, you're, you're, you're a classic movie villain when you become a meme instantly. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and he has two in this movie, which is impressive. Yeah. I just, I liked his motive a lot too. And I liked him bouncing. So now that I'm like over my whole, like they're just recycling Star Wars things. I love the addition of Peter Cushing, which like, by the way, I think I'm going to, and I'm going to plant my flag here. I think Star Wars did a better job of digitally replacing actors than Marvel is currently doing de-aging existing actors. I feel like, Star Wars did a better job of the the digital characters than Star Wars is doing of digital characters, because the last time <laughs> I saw 
the last time we saw Luke Skywalker, it still didn't look right. It's fair. Um, okay, totally fair. What did you think about the CG on on Peter Cushing and Carrie Fisher in this? Well, okay, so Peter Cushing uh, was not in the movie. Like he he is oh right he had yeah. passed away. I I thought it was different. Like that this was the first time we had seen like a deceased actor come yeah. back digitally and like the what are the moral implica- implications of that and the legal yeah. ramifications well, of that. Well, especially with where we're at now. Yeah, especially where we're at now. So it like it's it fits the story and I think the story justifies it a bit. And yeah. as long as you get the people who are responsible for that estate, as long as you do it the right way, I don't have a problem with it. Like if you yeah. dot the I's and cross the T's, I feel like it's fine if it if it just if the story justifies it. The Carrie Fisher thing at the end, I remember seeing this in theaters because this came out around the time that she passed away. Yeah. So I think the first time I saw it she hadn't passed away. But the second time I saw it, I was like, Oh, like that's mm-hmm. weird. Um, but the story justifies it. Cause if you're it's setting it up to be like the, the tail end, the, like the, the tail end of this lines up with the beginning of a new hope. You kind of have like to minutes. Yeah. Like you could only do so much. Like, I don't think just having her hand take it and hearing her voice say, hope off screen like i feel like you i princess leia is such an iconic character that you have to see the bond you have to see her face um and i think it's such a a brief moment that it it's okay here but if they like was it too much tarkin for you no i don't think it was too much tarkin because it tarkin's the bad guy like tarkin's yeah the bad guy in this he's the bad guy in star wars like with vader like it gives his character a little bit more depth in star wars even like in a new hope so mm-hmm. um yeah it, it, i remember this being like the first example of all of that and like where we are now it, it just seems better looking than where we are with some of the stuff now so yeah I mean, I was, yeah, I was impressed with it. And I, it just, it did make me appreciate Tarkin's character a lot more. And just, I, I do genuinely like the, like, terrible internal legal corporate, like, power struggle of, like, sure, you did it, but it's fine now because I have yeah. Frank over you. Like, I've seen yeah. that happen in real life in companies. And, ugh. So, like, I think I just related on that level to it, too. Yeah. Um what about on the uh, Rogue One team? Who do you like? Okay, okay. So I, I think my favorite was. I mean, my favorite was KTS K K K two SO. Yeah, there you go. It was Alan Tudyk bot was my favorite. But I mean, otherwise on the team, I liked. I mean, I liked Jin or so. Andor was just fine. I want to talk about that for a sec. Was Andor a huge standout for you, Alan? No. So I was talking about this today, actually. I feel the same way about almost every character in on the team itself, except for K2SO, who is precious and we need to protect. But, like, 
I feel the same way about every single character on here where like, I don't know that I care if I get a backstory about any of them. And I'm just as excited about a backstory for all of them. Like, I don't love one more than I love the other. I don't hate one more than I hate the other. They're all interesting in their own unique and different ways. They all have their very specialized skill sets. I think the, the plot of having a rebel or an Imperial defector is always a cool plot for me. So he specifically stood out for me because of his backstory, but Otherwise, they're all fine. They're all good characters. Yeah. Um, I think besides K2SO, the only other standout for me was Truett. Yeah. Uh, the, the blind guardians of the wills. Uh, because there's implications of like, putting a char- putting characters in there that are titled the guardians of the wills. Like, it's a whole thing with Star Wars. Um, cause I don't know what you, that means, you, by the you way. Don't know, you no. don't know what the wills means? Okay. No. Uh, let me pull up Wikipedia. It's not. It's Wikipedia, isn't it? Wikipedia, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and so I'll I'll say this, right? I think that the marketing for this movie wanted you to come away from this absolutely loving Cassian Andor. I remember like getting things that were like strictly Cassian Andor, like he's the star of the movie, mm-hmm. and like he's. Even after watching Andor, he's just fine in this. Like, I didn't look at him and go, there's a guy whose backstory I need to hear about. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, because there, okay. there's, there's some things that happen with this movie. Um, so, Truett and Baze are the guardians of the Wills. The Wills were a community of beings that who notably wrote the journal of the wills, a document that recorded important events in the galaxy, as well as philosophical reflections in verse. They were shamans among, there were shamans among them. One of whom taught the Jedi master Gwygon Jin that the ability Uh to retain one's consciousness after death required absolute selflessness. The moon of Jedi, the mood of the moon of Jedi was home to a force whispering, monotastic order called the guardians of the wills one of Jedha's most sacred places the temple of the kyber also known as the temple of the wills is that why okay is that why they kept being like we blew up your your like holy site or whatever yeah. whenever they blew up Jedha? because we've seen Jedha before in other star wars things right i don't think so okay because i thought that was the same planet that we met uh we met Billy D. Williams in again in the sequels. Oh, that's not the uh, same planet. I don't think so. Okay, got it. There's a lot of desert planets in Star Wars. There is, um, almost too much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the Wills are the beings that are telling the story of Star Wars. The a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Like oh, that's the, them. That's that's the Wills. Uh, George Lucas's oh. original treatment for the sequel trilogy had to deal with the Wills. Um, oh, I think the the thing that I told you that you need to watch with Ahsoka has to do with the Wills a little bit. Um, oh, I kind of want to tell you what it was. Just just tell me. Just do it. So you you met David Tennant's character in Ahsoka, yeah, I did. right? So he his in the Jedi Order has all these stories. And he's like, do you, to kill time, like, do you want me to tell you one of the stories? And Ahsoka's like, yeah, sure. Okay. And he just, David Tennant gets to say, 
a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Oh, I love it. And then title card. Um, but my <laughs> like my my head like a lot of people like so the, the Star Wars is just him telling the story. It's like no, Star Wars is the wills telling the story. But I think That's he incredible. like I, I think I read like it's either canon or fan fiction or what it's legends now. But like his his character arrived at the Jedi Temple in a big blue box like <laughs> millennia ago. So I think he's from the Wills. Like the Wills had a TARDIS and sent him to the Jedi Temple. Um, so on board for that theory. But yeah, I, I like Chewit in this a lot. Um, his sense of humor is great. Like yeah. they put the bag over saying, why? I'm, I'm, I'm blind. Like he just, yeah. like he, he's just very enjoyable to me. Like uh, K2SO is definitely the comic relief of this, but I enjoyed Chewit a lot. And the fight sequences were phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but going off of what you were saying with Andor, like he's he's here. He's he wasn't the most interesting character for me either. Um, okay, good. Because I was wondering, like, was I the only one that watched this movie and went, "Yeah, he's fine." Because at this point in his life, he's like what captain of the rebellion or something. Yeah. Like I was, I was surprised at how high ranking he was, having forgotten who he was in the rebellion. Basically, he was fine, just fine. Yeah. Um, so part of, I think part of why it's kind of just like, yeah, he's fine. Is mm-hmm. there was some drama behind the scenes of this movie? Um, Do tell. I don't know about this. So the part of the reason we're doing this is because Gareth Edwards, the director of Rogue One has a movie coming out this weekend called the creator. Um, but there are reports that, and I think it's pretty much confirmed. There were major reshoots to this movie in 26, 2015 um, to the point where uh, Tony Gilroy took over directing in June of that year. Um, to help fix the films uh, with new writing and new writing, new dialogue and directing with some additional scenes, earning him a screenplay credit for the film. Um, and there are shots from the trailers that aren't in the movie, like yeah, the storm, are. the stormtroopers walking in the water, not in the movie. Uh, the tie fighter meeting her at the top of the tower, not in the movie. Oh, right. Um, the, the image of her in the uh, like, imperial outfit with the like the, the the tunnel of lights around her that's yeah on, that's on the movie theater cup that i wish i would have brought down here for this it's it's uh, on the disney plus thing yeah not in the movie yeah um there's a lot missing from the movie uh and a lot was reshot the uh the vader scene at the end in the hallway that was a reshoot oh um even the uh, Michael Giacchino score was done like last minute. Like he was brought in to replace the score that was done by somebody else. Um, which is a whole nother thing. But yeah, so a lot of this movie was reworked. And somebody wow. made a point that there were only two Disney Star Wars films that were started and completed by the same directors. And that's Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Because you had Tony Gilroy step in and finish Rogue One. You had um, Ron Ron Howard come in and take over Solo from Lord and Miller. Uh-huh. Uh, the, uh, episode 9 was being developed by 
Um, the Colin Trevorrow, he had gone into pre-production or the screenplay, the duel of the fates, which is what, which the screenplay has since come out, but then yeah. he was replaced by JJ Abrams, uh, for directing that. And they changed the whole script. So like since Disney has taken over, like, and even like the, some of the Disney plus shows, like Boba Fett was supposed to be a movie. Obi-Wan was supposed to be a movie. Like a lot were, of yeah. these have changed hands and changed directions. And I feel like that's part of where the star Wars community is right now. Like, I think it says something that some of the strongest star Wars stuff is being made by the same creative people behind the scenes. So if Tony Gilroy takes over rogue one at the end and fleshes out Cassian Endor as a character is like, Hey, I have an idea for this, like t- his story that I want to mm-hmm. tell and then pitches it to Disney. And they're like, Oh yeah, let's, let's make this a show. And Andor comes out and is praised as one of the, the best star Wars things to happen in years. And then you look at what Dave Filoni is doing with John Favreau with Mandalorian and Book of mm. Boba Fett to a lesser degree, but then Ahsoka, like you have Dave Filoni behind the scenes of all of that, like guiding it. And I think Book of Boba Fett, he's not as involved in, but Mando and Ahsoka, like in rebels, like you have those all tying in together, I think really helps drive what, works with star wars and what doesn't that's fair do you know what was cut out of this movie like are we ever like are we asking for an edwards cut of this movie because i might be well i would be interested to read the screenplay like i want to know what was changed i want to read the like shooting script that they originally had but gareth edwards i i don't know if it's available like Disney is weird with their screenplays. Like it's hard to find like a lot of the times I think they release like the ones that are just the, the movie that you, you see on the big screen. Like sometimes you're going to like my goodwill hunting screenplay has like different music cues and stuff in it than what was actually made. Um, Sure. But Gareth Edwards has got on record this week about this whole thing. And uh, yeah, because he's promoting the, um, the creator and he, hasn't really said much about it, but this is what he said to variety. Um, Edwards either confirmed or denied Lucas films handled the project, handed the project to Gilroy after principal photography wrapped with an interview with variety quote, quote, look, the only thing I can say is that I was incredibly lucky. I got to make a star Wars film. I won the lottery. And in that sense, the idea of some, the idea of someone as privileged as me in any way, implying that it was anything other than, the amazing experience that it was to some extent, like I don't have any empathy for that person. I don't want to be that person either. What a classy guy. I yeah. mean, like way to put that into perspective. Cause there I've, I've heard directors be like, well, I didn't get it my way. Like for one reason or another. Right. And then they complain. And then people like us like demand the Edwards cut, but like taking a step back. Yeah, man, he directed a star Wars movie. That's incredible. Like, yeah. And, and one yeah. that's, pretty well loved by the fan base too um gilroy's also gone on record like not wanting to draw like not refusing to like discuss it um he has said the more authority that you hear people talk about online about what happened on that movie the less you know that's all that needs to be said um 
and that people online de declaring a director's cut, um, uh, the theatrical cut is the absolute best version of that movie that could possibly you could possibly imagine in the time that it was given, because they, they did they did have a short turnaround time because this was shooting at the same time as Force Awakens and like oh I didn't know that yeah like Force Awakens went on for a while and and then this went into production so and the the turnaround was fast. Because Disney bought Star Wars in 2013, and mm -hmm. we got Force Awakens in 2015. So, in this 2016, that's yeah. incredible. So, and wow. I think that's the other problem with Star Wars is they've spent very little time developing these things. It's a lot of rushing. Yeah, like I don't think it'd be a bad idea if they took their time with some of the stuff. I think the fact that we're getting to the good stuff now that there there's been some time for them to develop things instead of just like. We gotta get. We bought this. We spent a billion dollars on this franchise. Let's get. Let's make some of that money back. Like, let's get something out the door. Yeah. Uh, let's break down in the Disney park and let's go make a movie. Um, <laughs> like I feel like now that we're they they can like now they've caught up to that from that initial rush of let's make Star Wars stuff. It's gotten yeah. a little bit better. So. I can see that. I so I realized something about myself watching this again for Tell this. Me. Um, I think this is my favorite Star Wars movie. Is it really? It's definitely Tell my me. favorite. It's, it, it's definitely my favorite of the Disney Star Wars. Okay. I, I I don't know if it's it's up there with like Empire, but it's so the tone is so different. Like it doesn't feel like a star Wars movie. Like it has everything that I feel comfortable with, with star Wars, like the planets, the ships, the sound effects, the music cues are there. Like it feels like star Wars, but it also isn't just people swinging laser swords at each other. Like it's, mm -hmm. it, it, it tells an interesting story about a, a, a daughter and her journey to like find out where, what her father's been up to all these years. And like, these different soldiers and this sassy droid like it's and you get a little bit of what you want from a star wars thing with vader at the end just slicing through the rebels i i really i think i can agree with a lot of that this is the side of star wars that i like a lot is the not as much the laser swords. And I think this is even why Mandalorian did so well when it came out is because it was the star Wars universe. You know, they're definitely playing in the same sandboxes. Heck he's on Tatooine most of the time, but you know, it's a different tone. It's a different type of story that they're telling. And that's, what's very cool about a lot of this for me is I like to see other stories in this universe that I'm already bought into. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I think if I have to see Order 66 again, I'm going to get sad. Like, I've seen I think it that, so many times. That's the point, though. Like, that's the point of seeing Order 66 so many times is that it's supposed to make you sad. You're supposed to not want to see that. <laughs> like, you're, spo okay. you're supposed to see clone troopers in the Jedi Temple. Like, oh, boy, this isn't going to be um, good. Like, anytime they show, like, any Jedi kids, I'm like, what's yeah. going to happen? Um. Yeah, like I, I feel like there are certain things in Star Wars that play with your emotions, and that like Order sixty six is one of them. Like that's, it's a meme, but it's also like, 
a thing that they keep going back to for that reason. Like, you know, you know, it's, it's like a fixed point in time. You know what happens there. Like there's yeah. no changing it. You can't go back and fix it. Um, so speaking of emotions, then Alan, did you like the end of this? Do you like how this movie ended? Because I don't know that I knew going into this movie that, I mean, spoilers, I guess I didn't know going into this movie that every single person on this poster was going to die. And there was, I don't remember knowing that going into the movie. And this is something that like, I don't know that I love about myself, but it made me appreciate the movie more that star Wars was willing to do that and was willing to like, take that big of a swing with its characters. This keep in mind is when I was in my full game of Thrones days where I was like, they killed Ned Stark in season one, man. No one's safe. It's great. And like, it fed into that part of me where I was like, they could just kill off a whole cast of people that are on the cover of this thing. And like for the worst kinds of reasons, I liked that about the movie. Did you? Um, I, I liked how they showed it. Um, I'm trying to find something here. Um, No, like, it's kind of like, okay, here we go. This should have what I'm looking for. Uh, what was your question again? I'm sorry. Did <laughs> you like distracted. the way the movie ended? No, no, with them all, with them all dying. I mean, yes, because it was, you, you kind of know what happens to them because they tell you, they told you years before in 1977 like the very beginning of star wars they tell you what happened uh it's a period of civil war rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil galactic empire during the battle rebel spies managed to steal the secret death star plant secret plans to the empire's ultimate weapon the death star and the space station with a, a space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet like the opening crawl of star wars tells you how this movie ends like and I feel like that's kind of the criticism of this movie is like, you know how it ends. Like, you know what, what the story is going to be. Like, it's, it's like to a lesser degree, like, you know what happens to Han Solo at the end of Solo. Like he, he's going to, he's going to mm-hmm. have the money in Falcon. Like he's going to, he's going to walk off in the sunset with Chewie and go celebrate okay. life, life day. And uh, so this, okay. Maybe this is an unfair question and it's maybe too broad, but at what point does a prequel stop become stop becoming thrilling or stop becoming interesting to you because you understand and know the fate of the characters that are in that thing? And this somewhat ties into this, right? You went into it knowing these people are probably going to die. Therefore, you know, them getting into hijinks in act two of the movie doesn't matter as much. So I think for me where it gets interesting is like, for perfect example, because I just pulled up the poster is Andor. Like you know how his story ends. Yes, you know okay. that this that, you know that the Andor Andor series is going to lead right into Rogue One. They have said that. That's what, how the series is going to end. It's going to end with him going to that like, that space base, I think, and killing that guy in the. Oh alley. wow. Um. You don't know much about that character, and I think what Andor has done well is explore how that character got to be where we, he is now in rogue one, because when you meet him in Andor, you've seen all of Andor, correct? I have. I've seen all of it. You get to see his development from 
where he starts in the series to where he ends up in the, at the end of the first season. Um, and he's still not to where he is in rogue one, but he's getting closer mm-hmm. and closer to that. And I think just mm-hmm. when you can explore the characters and when there's such a strong dynamic change between the two, between the, where they start and where they end up, I feel like that's where it's interesting. I feel like mm-hmm. the prequels, yes, you know that Anakin Skywalker is going to become Darth Vader, but I think when you see him as a little kid in episode one, like it, it's like hard to wrap your head around. Like there's no way that this kid becomes Vader. And I think that's one of the things that prequel, like episode one does well is like, this is supposed to be Vader someday later. Now he's just a small fry. Um, <laughs> well done. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I think in like, I feel like the clone wars has helped the prequels age better. I think that part of the reason the prequels get so much praise now is because the clone wars kind of went back and flushed that out and, explored in more detail what the prequels were trying to do. Um, but if you look at something like the Obi-Wan series, like as great as it was to see Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen back, like, you know how it's going to end. Yeah. And Obi-Wan doesn't really change at all through from the beginning of that show to the end of that show. Mm-hmm. he's still kind of just a space hermit. Like he, he learns more. And I think there's an interesting journey there of him discovering what happened to Anakin and mm-hmm. what Darth Vader is now. Like, I think that's an interesting journey uh, of discovery for him, but I don't think it really justifies. Like, I don't think the character has that much growth in the show itself. If that makes so sense. So for you, it's about, it's about, not knowing that the tense moments aren't tense. It's about the character growth that happens because of those tense moments. I, I feel like, I feel like a prequel is better when there's a, I think a better example of this than stepping out of star Wars is yeah, yeah, when yeah. You, like, if, I think a prequel is justified when you take an element of what worked before. And like, this is an interesting character that's explore their background and tell their story. What is their story? Is their story interesting enough to tell? And making it interesting to tell. I think the best example of this is Better Call Saul. Yeah, okay. I was thinking about this. Um, because, like, that show, like, is on par with Breaking Bad, which is hard to do. Um, and uh, other shows have tried it. Like, The Sopranos tried it with the movie, and I, I haven't seen The Sopranos or that movie, but, the like, it, it's hard. To, it's hard to do right. Like, it's hard to have a story worthy of telling for five or six seasons based off of one character before the show and that, you know, them from, um, and I, I think for, for me watching Andor, it was the injection of stakes and how, and, and watching better call Saul too, like the stakes in better call Saul were never does Saul Goodman live or die here. Yeah. Obviously, you know, he's going to live or die. They almost never asked that question or had the audience ask that question. I feel like Andor did that like one too many times in its single first season. They're like, ah, is he going to get out of this one? I'm like, yeah, of course he is. He dies on this planet. Like, you know, oh, it, is he going to be in jail forever? No, of but, course not. But I, I think what's also interesting about that, like, yes, he's in jail, but it's yeah. okay. So how does he get himself out of this? You know, he does. Mm-hmm. How does he get there? Um, because there's only one way out. Um, There's only one way out. Yeah. One, one, one way out. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, have to, I have to ask about this, right? Yes. 
I know that that's like the most loved moment and the most loved episode in it was One yes. Way Out, Andy Serkis. I have seen so many pictures of Andy Serkis turning to the camera and saying something that I knew that that was the pivotal moment, right? That's the moment that like, this makes the episode for me. I guess because it was overhyped, when I got to that moment, it almost read like a Curb Your Enthusiasm, like stinger. <laughs> Where like, I was ready for like the black to happen and the music to come on. Like, I can't swim. And then like, it cuts to black. Like, that's what I was, is it, is that how people genuinely perceive that? Or did people like, was that a big emotional moment that got ruined because of years of internet memes? I, I feel like the year of internet memes kind of ruined that okay. moment for you. Uh, okay. Cause that show's not even a year old at this point. Like it, no, it's not. Is it that new? The, uh, the poster that I have up on the screen says September 25th. So it's a year That's and a insane. day. That's insane. Yeah. Also happy anniversary Andor. Yeah. Um, um it, it all ties together. Um, <laughs> but let's, I don't know. I, I had this revelation and I was again, talking to people about this. I think that if Andor was this thing that like, released to no fanfare that nobody talked about that on a lark one night i popped up in disney plus saw this thing because it came up because it was listed alphabetically a and i watched it i would love this so much more because it it feels like it's meant to be a hidden gem of a show but i think because it's been touted as like the best star wars that's happened in a long time for me i think i expected stuff out of it that it just can't possibly deliver no that's fair and i think that's Watching it with all of the hype and people telling you that it's some of the best Star Wars made, like it, it, it does influence how you watch it. That's why I try to go into all this stuff fresh. Like, yeah, at nine o'clock tonight, I'll be in front of my TV watching Ahsoka, so it doesn't get spoiled <laughs> for me and get hyped up. Ah, um, good, because I hyped myself up for it. Um, but I, I, I want to tell you something about Andor that I didn't want to let on before we did this episode was. I had no intention of watching Rogue One until I finished Andor. Until like no all way, the epi- all the episodes were out. Yeah, I wasn't going to revisit it until that. But I'm glad we did. Like, I'm glad we did this. I'm glad we had this conversation. Yeah. So, um, I... was was there anything else about Rogue One you wanted to talk about? Yeah. So this this is a Rogue One thing, and it's an Andor thing. This, <laughs> these two, these two like pieces of media made me realize. Do you know what ties me to these worlds the most? space paperwork i love space paperwork i hate that i'm like this but like i love their like i love that a society that can intergalactically travel that can build literal weapons to blow up planets with a push of a button still has to access data by like a machine that spins around and has to physically pull a disc out of a thing i love that that same society can't do a bank transfer and that they have to literally store millions of credits in a vault and hand them out like candy to people as payday. That's I love pa- it. That's because Palpatine likes to dive into him like he's Scrooge McDuck. Of course he does. I just, oh my gosh, I love the limits. I love finding the edges of the, the technology here because it just, it charms me so much. I loved in, in, uh, in Andor, where guy had like space desk job and he had like two monitors and two keyboards and all he was doing all day was just like fuel stuff. I was like, let me see more of that. 
like and not in an ironic way it was interesting to me like this is why i like this stuff is because whenever you get jedi involved don't worry about space paperwork we don't read books but like they, like, these people have to deal with space paperwork, and I love it. I don't know. That was it. That was my realization. I'm a weirdo, man. Yeah. No. Well, you say the Jedi don't read books. They have books. They just don't read them. They don't and read them. No. The sacred like, Jedi texts. Yeah, they have one, like, perfunctorily open in, like, one of them, and that's it. Like. So I have one last thing I want to talk about. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm going to the uh, source material it, my, itself. Um. So He's, we've, we've talked about, list, yeah, I, I, just, I got the vinyl of the soundtrack here from uh, composer Michael Giacchino. And one of the things I think I've talked about this before is Giacchino likes to uh, give the tracks on his soundtracks, fun names. Okay. Um, uh, pun filled names. So he, he has like in his liner notes here on the soundtrack uh, PS for those who are used to my more fun filled, Pun filled uh, tales my team and I are usually provide. Never fear. Here is an alt list for your enjoyment. So what he did was took every track on the soundtrack and gave yeah. it an alternate um, punny title. And uh, I'm, go- go I'm going to read you all 18. Yes. Um, a Krennic Condition. <laughs> Gin and Scarret. Gincarcerated. Going to Seesaw. That new Death Star smell. <laughs> All right. Ties into what we were talking about before. Jedi call Saul. Oh, good. When ambush comes to shove. Urso facto. Go do that you do that you do so well. Have a choke and a smile. Can oh. you guess? Can you guess what scene that's for? Oh, yep. Yep. Yes, I can. Uh, that's actually the, the actual title for that one is Krennic's Aspirations. Um, Urso Vain. Urso, I'm sorry. Urso in vain. Um, takes one to Rogue One. Oh, gosh. The world's worst vacation destination. Scarif tactics. Ah. Bazed and confused because Jared's partner's name uh, is Bazed. You get it. You get, yep. Yeah. Switch hunt. Transmission impossible. Oh, that was a good name for that. And the finale, like the, the track that has Vader's co- going through the hallway. Live and let Jedi. Oh, um, that's really good. <laughs> so I, when I put these on my on my uh, Apple account. I put those titles in. <laughs> is seeing the real title like weird for you now? It is. I have them in like parentheses at, like after it. So I like I have oh, sure. it for reference. But yeah, it, it's weird. Like if I ever listen to this on like Spotify or anything and it comes up like that's not the right title. Like what is, it's what Living Let Jedi. Come on, man. Krennic's Aspirations. Come on now. Yeah, no. Um, oh, I, I love that. And I love that he does that because... I don't know. I mean, something like Duel of the Fates, right, is like a really epic name. Or like, oh, what was the one from episode three? The really famous one when they're fighting by the volcano called? Oh, uh, Battle of the Heroes. That's it. Battle of the Heroes. Like, those are like really epic names. 
something like Krennic's aspirations, like do better. And I'm glad yeah, I mean, that he did. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a Disney thing that they made him do that. It sounds like it. We had to be so. dead serious. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's all I've got on Rogue One. I'm gonna go listen to the soundtrack now. Yeah. Listen, um, man. I like it so much better the second time. I. Good. I listen. I didn't even mind the saw parts. It still wasn't my favorite, but I didn't mind them. I I really bread. I I really wish that there was an, a video of Saul Guerrero singing "Kiss from a Rose" that I could send you. <laughs> did you make one? Did you spice no? That? I did not. Oh, okay, good. But oh. you know, you know, we forgot to talk about it when we did the uh, Phantom of the Opera episode. Yeah. Um, you had made a you had sent a meme of tenacious d that week yeah. and just as a joke i like i always like to respond to you sending songs with kiss from a rose yeah, so yeah, yeah. A, as a joke i searched on youtube kiss from a rose jack black seeing me i'm not gonna find anything but then i found a clip from american idol <laughs> of jack black actually singing kiss from a rose for uh oh. paula abdul Randy Jackson and Simon Cowell with Ryan Seacrest there and seal and Kyle gas. Like it was like, this is the, like I've never looked for a meme before and found exactly what I wanted without knowing that it actually exists. Like I had no clue that existed, but I was so happy in the moment and we forgot to talk about it when we did the, the Val, the Joel Schumacher stuff the other week. Well, and my response was, do I like Kiss from a Rose now? Because Jack Black absolutely kills it. Yeah. Because I watched all of it. He kills it. Yeah, like he does. To the point where he almost turned me around on the song. He didn't, but he almost did. Yeah. To oh. the point where I think that's going to be the ending of this episode is just us playing that. So, <laughs> um, Devin, I believe next week is your pick. What are you going to have us watch? We will have to talk about it later. I didn't come ready with one. Okay, that's fine. Uh, we also need to talk to Ryan about what next week looks like because I'm yes. going to be busy this weekend. So uh, to find out what we're doing next week, go ahead and follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, listen to You Have to Watch This Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, until next time, for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Alan. And I am one of the force, the force. One way out, one way out, one way out.